Hey everybody, I'm Ken Poots Van Drieden, and that is... This is Chris Raybould. It's right Chris here. Raybould right there. Um, even though we're in different cities, uh, we are uh, joining each other here on the lovely Zoom app like everyone does uh, for episode 28. Holy crap, we got 28 hours of stuff, um, information for you guys. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a journey. We were just talking offline about um, how our, our thing has evolved and, and we hope that you guys have liked how it has changed and evolved um, into what it is now, uh, a more kind of um, easier discussion between each other. I think when we first started, it was, uh, you know, both of us like not sure, like, so what yeah. do you think, Chris? You know? right. um, <laughs> and uh, so now it's it's more of uh, what I was hoping it would turn into, which is a, a really easy discussion about audio. Um, and honestly, um, it's the thing that keeps me going is talking yep. about audio. Um, you know, yesterday I did a, a thing with Rational Acoustics that um, was just, you know, I was like, this is, it was like, this is fun. This was two hours oh, cool. of like talking about stuff that we used to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, that hopefully we get to do again soon. Um, so, uh, anyway, Oh, by the way, can you check out my sexy yeah, sick. purple, purple limited purple. edition? Headphones? Yeah, those are bad. I saw those online and I was like, I gotta buy those. Uh, I pur- dig those. I, purple, purple is my favorite color. So I'm like, I had the same thought when I saw them. I'm holding strong with the OGs right here. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. You know, um, I just was like, oh man, it's my favorite color. I don't have the money right now, but I'm gonna buy it anyway. Hey so. man, get get your rocks off however you can right now. <laughs> if it's a new pair of headphones, that's all good. You know, I gotta say something before we get going here. Yeah. I just fired LV1 back up. Shout out to Noam at Waves. Um, and uh, kind of working on some stuff. And uh, I, it's fine. I have that feeling where I just finished doing playback, but I'm not totally cool where I ended up. So I've kind of, you know, that feeling when you're totally. just like, like I, I'm not. And it, it's funny. I, I was fucking with the, among other things, it was where I was, was playing with my overheads. And as usual, God, those things are just will drive you insane. Oh, man. Uh, one yeah. day we'll circle back around and talk about overheads just in general. Just it's how like- my yeah it's just a different life it really is and and um yeah exactly so like studio world you use overheads to be an definitely an over drum oh it's so much fun right yeah um but in you know certainly for the bands that we work for our stages are so loud like my stage is so loud yeah they're just Um, and i mean i don't do some of the stuff that you do with the giant side fills firing in but still i've got all the house in the world coming back and they're just white noise generators. Totally. Of, you know what I mean? As you pull them up, you pull all the noise up, and then you're tempted to suck the noise out, but then you suck the sound out, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It is, so. it is a never-ending battle. And, and I think always, you know, you and I have experience with studio stuff, so we keep trying to get there. I want that. I want that, but you, it, yeah. you can't have it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, a big eye-opening no. thing was when you introduced me to those Mojave microphones that really changed a mm-hmm. lot for me. Um, just, you know, the way that those are, are capture and, and are EQ'd internally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like things just sit better with them. You they know? really do. They really do. Um, and I, yeah. you know, it's funny, I'm still trying to figure out why that is. Why what is I, that? Yeah. Yeah. The curve um, can only be so different. You know, I, that's just, that's the magic of certain microphones. It really I is. I know. Right. Like, so it's it's weird because I've thought about it. I'm like, this isn't an EQ thing, really, per uh-huh. se. It's not like its internal EQ curve is better than a 414, let's say. Um, it's not that. It's something about the way the acoustic to electric transduction happens yes. in that microphone. Um, I was just thinking the same thing. It's got, it's just, and it, see, that seems like such a, that is just a mechanical reaction. Yeah. That's just a diaphragm going, I see this wave, I'll move like that that too how markedly different is that is it between a u87 and a sm81 like how much but 
for whatever reason, it makes drastic, huge differences, you know? It sure um, does. I wonder, um, it would be really interesting to get Royer, like to ask him if, you know, was when you're designing this microphone, is that something that you have in mind or is it just something that you stumble on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I think that a, a certain percentage of manufacturers stumble on sh stuff, you know what I mean? Like they come upon something and then they realize, Oh shit, we did something here. That's like really interesting. And right. Good. Um, right. But, but anyway, that microphone, I I'm still trying to figure out why it works well. And, and, you know, I know we talk about it a lot on here. Uh, in fact, so much that we should be getting paid, <laughs> Right. but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I just think it's a great microphone and, and, um, certainly for, for overheads, it, it works great. Yeah. I'll yeah. say this too before we split, and I don't want to blow our load because we should do one of these about overhead, overheads yeah, 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 yeah. at one time. But, um, you know, the one thing about overheads too is like you get a killer overhead sound, but be careful how much you anchor to that because that's a, that's a, that's a fader you're going to want to go to to clean shit up. You know what I mean? Totally. That, that yeah. is, um, along with your lead vocal, is a mixed destroyer. It is. Um, and so finding the balance of getting something sounding appropriate and great uh, and, mm -hmm. and a little bit higher up in your mix than most things um, and have it not destroy your mix as being, you know, uh, uh, just something that's capturing all the crap around it. Um, that's a, that's a real skill. So definitely let's, let's do an overhead one. Um, but for now, um, what we were kind of talking offline about was, um, you know, I often get asked, um, Either the first question is always, how do I get your job? How do I, what do I have to do to get your job? And then the second question is, what did you do yeah. to get where you are? And it, it's an interesting thought process for me because um, I, I have analyzed, I've spent some time like thinking about like, why am I um, mm -hmm. at the top of the game? Why did I get opportunities um, over somebody else. Um, I'll tell you a quick story and then let you talk about what your opinion about that is. But, um, uh, you know, several years ago, probably 10 years ago, a, um, a relatively well-known front of house engineer that was mixing relatively large acts, um, came up to me one day and, um, basically like was saying, you know, Hey man, how come you get all the gigs and I don't get any gigs? And mm -hmm. I was just like, wow, uh, mm -hmm. that's a really fucked up thing to say to me, but okay, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's First figure of all, that hi. out. Yeah. How you doing, <laughs> yeah. man? You know? Um, and I, I, you know, obviously he was having a rough day and was frustrated and maybe I right. just got a gig that he didn't, uh, he was going for or something, you know, whatever uh, people have, different reasons for acting the way that they do. But my, my first reaction to that was to say to him, the reason that I get gigs that you don't is because the, you ask questions like what you just asked. What and you just, what you just did, what you just did is the reason why I get the gigs and you don't, um, which has nothing to do with my mixing ability and whether or not I'm a better mixer than he is. I was trying to point out to him um, that, you know, there, there's a certain couth uh, and a certain um, way that you treat people and have discussions with people that have, um, I believe, accelerated my career. And I also have opinions about lots of other things that have gotten to me where I am, and we'll get to those. But that let's just start with that. Like, I feel, for me, I have definitely, once I was given, like, my first couple of big opportunities, past that is because I'm able to, you know, um, to get along with people, I guess, is the real deal. Um, yeah. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are your opinions? Yeah. What do you think about, you know, a lot, I think a lot. Um, come on, dude. How did you, how did come you get all the gigs? Yeah, totally. Time. And yeah. like, and to be quite honest with you, I'm not that, I mean, I've been doing this for a minute. I, I think I'm right at 25 years as a quote unquote professional, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't really hit this upper tier of clientele until a decade ago. 
So for me, I'm still, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's no way to talk around it. I'm a, a name mixer, you know, um, but, but my time in that name slot with the, with that group of people, it's not that it's relatively short lived, but you know, the first few years when someone starts getting into that list, get that gets in there, you're kind of like, cause you see some people that touch it for a minute yep. and then they, and then they disappear, you know? So it's like to have staying power there kind of says something. So, but you know, one thing that people ask me, they're like, you know, well, what do you, I mean, like, what's, what's the percentage? Is it like, you know, to mixing to politics or to this or that? And like, I have no earthly idea how to put a numerical value on what that is. But I do know, like you said, that it is absolutely not a hundred percent mix. You know, there's just no way, um, it just doesn't work that way. And I say that because and I think I've mentioned it on here before along the way, I have seen guys with fantastic fucking mixes that after the fact, I get wind of the fact that they're an asshole or they're yeah. a, a drunk or they're a, Hey man, been there on both fronts. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. But, but, but you find out that there's something else that has held them back. Cause I'll see people where I'm just like straight up, not, not any insecurity, just like, man, that guy's great. In fact, I, that's a better mix than I think I would pull off with whatever he or she is working with, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how it works. I'll just tell you for me. Um, I think my, uh, my formula has been tireless work ethic that's where it started. Tireless work ethic. And I've said it on here before. I'm not the most talented guy out there. And I'm not saying that in some sort of, some sort of aw shuck sort of way. Like I really mean that I have no, immense talent, yeah. but I'm not the most talented naturally. I have to work for things in order for them to come my way, you know? So it all goes back to, and I'm just thinking chronologically here. When I was younger, I just wanted to be good. And I was tireless in my pursuit of that, but I never had my sights set on it was never, and I'm going to be one of the top five mixers in the world. Never fucking said that, you know. I really like my first big gig. I talk about it here all the time. That I just, I don't have another story to tell. It was with that band Widespread Panic. And I just wanted to make them sound awesome. Right. I just, that was it. You know what I mean? I wanted to make them you sound awesome. You didn't have the goal of being the top five mixers, but you had the goal of being the best at what you do, right? Your, your yes. perfectionism or whatever it was that instilled, was instilled in you was, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the best at what I do, but not with the thought process of, I need to be the best mixer in the world, world per se, right? right? There was a yeah. world dominate. Right. So really, I was aiming to be the best. Right. You know what I'm saying? Without intentionally saying, I'm going to be, you know, world domination is my, is my goal. I will say this. I'll tell you when I started to notice that the potential was there for me was with the advent of festivals in America becoming so prevalent as they were. And I would go in and if it were like a jam band centric festival, we'd be the headliner and I'd pay attention to everybody else. And that's usually where I'd see, and that was in the analog console days. That's when I'd watch the guys walk up, spin up and be like, fuck, he's good. Yep. And I'd have my own shit and I'd still kick ass and it was fine, but I'd make note of who I saw. But then there'd be times where we weren't, you know, we were just on some big thing and there would be like, I remember for a fact being at this one, I remember it was, it was, it might've been like jazz fest or something like that. And there was a big name, big time mixer. He's still in the game. He's an older dude, but he's still in the game. Big time and notorious, tough kind of asshole. He walks out. We're playing before them. And him and his system guy are like eyeing me up and down. But I could kind of tell not in a shitty way. Right. And when it was over, he, they came up and he was like, hey, mate. You know, and it's kind of like good fucking job. And so right. like those sort of little things started happening. Or I'd get wind after a festival where the company – president of the company would call me up and say like, Hey, you know, we heard, you know, this and that. So I started seeing these little clues everywhere. Where I was like, <laughs> Man, I think this shit's paying off. Cause I'm yeah, with yeah. this like rock band, this jam band, but I'm getting accolade, you know? So it was like, I started seeing clues that right. it was, uh, it was for me. Um, I don't know. I went like, how did you, what, how did the, how did the tides turn? How did you, I mean, I'll get to in a minute and sort of how some of these things worked out, but you went from the studio, what straight to. Yeah. So, but 
But um, my uh, big you were you were time, thrust to it quick. I right? was, but my like, big cut, time cut. period, like where I spent cut my teeth and spent hours and hours and hours, was in college. Um, you know, so going to Berkeley College of Music, um, you get a certain amount of studio time, um, mm -hmm. and, and then there is free studio. This was back, you know, thirty years ago. So but I don't know what it's like now, but it, it, back then there's free studio time that everyone has access to, but guess when that is it's five o'clock in the morning, um, yes. you know, on a Saturday night, which is the night that everyone in college wants to go party, you know, whatever. Um, mm. And I was the guy that like took every single one of those. I was like, I, if it's, if there, I was friends with the studio manager who's an employee of, of Berkeley. And, and I said to her, Whenever there is free studio time, call me and I will be there. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, you know, tireless work eth ethic came for me in the studio part of this um, and, and transferred over into the live Soundland. But it, it really um, was instilled in me like early on when I first like figured out, hey, I want to, you know, I, I want to do this. Um, so I, I think you bringing that up is really, uh, really key to this, like, you know, and then, you know, like when I moved to Los Angeles and worked in the studio, my entire like first year and a half was basically working for free, um, yeah. and working 18 hour days and being a runner and, um, making coffee and getting yelled at for doing nothing. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, uh, living on ramen and barely paying rent, you know, like borrowing money from my parents to survive and, um, you know, all those kind of things. So, um, I, I think that all of those things, we're, we're talking about all the things that kind of shaped us to be, you know, yeah. in the, in the I feel positions. Like a, it's a multi-part conversation, you know, it's kind of like, it is how did absolutely. you become who you are Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Uh, now there's a, another side to this that I also want to talk about because I really believe, you know, uh, trying to leave religion out of this, but I really believe that there is like 60, 70% of my stuff, which is just like, I was born with it. Like God given talent, um, that, and I say this to people all the time, like Steve Vai is mm -hmm. this guitar player that nobody can figure out why he's so amazing. Um, and I'm certainly not trying to liken myself to Steve I, but I'm just saying that guy, the reason Steve I is who he is, is not because he rehearsed more or yeah, not right. because he um, spent more time playing guitar than other people. It's not that. The reason Steve I is who he is, is because it's Steve I, he was born that way. That's right. Um, and so it's a, it's the hardest thing. And I think that's true of mixers. Like some of the best mixers that I've watched, um, I, I go, well, even if I were to ask that guy why he made the choices that he made to make that band sound like that, I don't think he'd be able to tell me. I think it's just yeah. in him, um, you know, and, and it's the hardest thing being a teacher um, or someone like you and I that kind of want to share what our knowledge is I can only bring someone so far uh, before even I have seen in a few people that I've tried to, you know, help along the way where I'm like, mm. you know what, I'll say this to stop you real quick. You and I've mentioned this, whatever that is, that thing you're talking about, you see it immediately or you see the lack totally, of totally. immediately in people. It's like, I can teach you, I can teach you about attack and release times on a compressor and what they can do. That's, that's, that's like technique, you know, but there's, it's all those other intangibles that you yeah. can. And it sucks yeah. when you meet somebody that you really want to help along and you're just like, God, they don't have that extra thing. And I'll admit it. I'm not advocating that anyone out there be a complete psychopath about this, but it takes a little bit of neurosis and, you know, kind of just, laser focus that you when you see that in someone if they can control it that's a sign of of this thing that you're talking about of that little extra something you know and and there is something to be said about self-conscious 
about your expectations on yourself and, and your ability to kind of evaluate yourself and say, and come to a realization that maybe whatever it is, isn't right for you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did, I went to Berkeley college of music and for the first two semesters, I was there as a bass player, no intention of being a sound guy. And I looked around and looked at the other 200 bass players at Berkeley college of music and went, there's 199 people better than me. And I, uh-huh. there is no way that I'm going to make a living as a bass player. And I can see it. I can see that that dude has whatever that thing is. I don't have that. Um, and it made me change the course of my life um, because I recognized it. So it, it's something, you know, I'm certainly not advocating and not telling people that they need to like, you know, oh, well, I need to change what I'm doing. If you want to be a mixer and if you want to um, uh, be, uh, you know, front of house or a monitor mixer, there are spots for you. There may not be spots for you in the top 1%. Like, you know, you may not get the opportunity to mix you two. But if you still want to be a mixer and you may not have that thing, recognize it in yourself and be like, you know what, I'm going to be happy um, mixing, you know, my local church or, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And that's fine too. I mean, you know, there, there is only one Steve Vai and Eddie Van Halen. uh, And uh, you know, there's there, I can only name five of them on my hands. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they only exist because of um, what I was talking about before, which is that kind of that spark, that thing. and I, you know, and this is, this is a hard discussion to have without like exposing your ego. Right. You know, and I'm, I am, I think, I think um, it's important. We do. I, and I think, it, I think yeah. we're both pretty good about both ends of that ego. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do recognize, and I know you do too, that I am good at what I do. There's no question when I say that you have to um, you know, be a guy that can get along with people and whatever. And 90% of that is, is, you know, your ability to walk into a room full of crazy people and identify the crazy people and, you know, all the kind of, those are, I'm being serious. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the 5%, which is delivering and delivering amazingly, yes. then you will be that guy that kind of touches the fringes and then it, you, you don't see him. Because- right. You get to a point like where, you know, you get invited into this boys club of, a, a, you know, a very few amount of engineers, boys and girls club, into a fair, fair, very few amount of engineers get the opportunity to be chosen for a, a larger gig. Um, but if you don't have the stuff, man, it's, you'll, it's, they'll discover it soon. <laughs> they will. You'll, you'll, yeah. be, you'll be found out. You know, you were talking about the, the sort of the God-given abilities or this and that. There's also, just in terms of fate, there is also the answer, and you know this, to a lot of those people were either, how did you get there on a polite level or why you, you know, on a not so polite level like you were encountered with. <laughs> there is, and I've had that too, man. I mean, I remember all, I've seen all the looks again. I remember when, because I, I, I hit a streak where it was just like, boom, man, I couldn't miss, you yeah. know. I'm sure there was people like, what the, who the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) Or when's that going to end? Sure. Um, But what happens is just like there's this sort of the universe kind of gives you certain tools or traits. It also puts you in a lot of the right, it puts you in all the right places or all the wrong places. And those things, I can't, I can't tell you how, why or how that worked, you know? Yeah. No, Uh, that's, that's totally it. You know, there's just, and it's a series of, it's like you do all the things for yourself to make yourself the best mixer you can be. And, and for me, a lot of that was having the largest knowledge before I was a good mixer. I had a very large knowledge base. I've mentioned here and I mentioned in a lot of interviews I do the importance of, uh, uh, staying up on like industry topics and trends and knowing the lingo and knowing, and cause I used to always say that way you can hang in a conversation where maybe you don't belong, you know, yep. and early on I built up my, my knowledge base of just of what was going on. So I could, cause I, cause I would find myself probably because I was just so damn active that I was bound to stumble through certain doors, metaphorically speaking, and find myself in gigs that were over my head. 
but I could kind of talk my way into them and through them and then just wing it to get it by, get that invaluable um, experience at the same time. But so you build yourself up, but then by doing that, you're just, it's like the foundation of what, of your, of your house, of everything, you know, is, is your, your knowledge base and then your experience. And then you just got to catch the right wind in your sales from time to time. You got to answer the phone and early on, and this is not to be discouraging to any older mixers, but early on, particularly when you're young, like you mentioned the 5am slots, do that, do that work nonstop, stay up for days on end. I hate to say it, man, but it's like for better or worse, that is a, that is a path to finding yourself in these things because it's like you're rewarded for your hard efforts slash if you stick around, like what's the thing, hang around a barbershop long enough, you get a haircut. It's kind of like right. catching, kind of like catching a gig, you know, it's, it's going to come your way. So that tirelessness, while you have the ability to be tireless, um, you utilize that because then it's at later in life, it just becomes caffeine fueled and however you can do it to, to get yourself by. But suddenly, yeah. you know, you can't, it's harder to pull off those, all, all of that. Um, so, but yeah, being in the right place at the right time, we talk, I mean, how many of these episodes have we done that are about relationships or yep. just being fucking cool, you know? Yeah. Um, because that's the deal, right? Like you have to live with people, um, mm -hmm. you know, in a very intimate setting, you know, 12 people on a bus that you are, you know, I mean, you're living with them. And so um, if you are the guy that's an asshole or girl that's an asshole or cause drama in any sort of way or um, are just hard to get along with or whatever, it's not going to matter how good of a mix you are. At some no. point, a production manager or a tour manager is going to get tired of your shit and you're going home. I've watched mm -hmm. it happen a bunch of times. So yep. um, just getting back to the right place at the right time, I always tell people, I've said it before on here, you know, that old adage is absolutely true that it is about being in the right place at the right time and having the right contacts for that moment. But I also say that it's about putting yourself in the right place at the right time. It is. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if I've told this story on here before, but I, I've said it before online about one of my major steps in my career was um, I was already mixing front of house. I was, you know, mixing a bunch of hair bands. You know, um, uh, my opportunities as a live guy started there, right? Mixing Warrant and mixing Vince Neil and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there was a moment in my career a few years later where I wasn't getting a whole lot of front of house calls, but I was getting calls to like patch the stage. Um, mm -hmm. And I took that call. Um, and one of the calls I took was to be the stage patcher slash assistant. They didn't really have monitor system techs that in yeah. those days. I yeah. was just the, yeah. the monitor <laughs> assistant. But really what I was doing was jamming XLRs. Um, and, and I took the gig and it was for Whitney Houston. And I said, you know what? Whitney Houston's pretty big. I'm going to go and do this because I think that there's going to be an opportunity. And believe it or not, there was. I was the guy standing next to the monitor engineer, literally just standing there during a show when she turns around and goes, you're fired, you're in. Wow. And I literally went from like the guy that was patching the stage to now being the monitor mixer, which by the way, I'd never really ever mixed monitors before. Yeah. And it, oh. was not, it was not IEMs, it was like wedges, yeah. you know? So I was uh -huh. like, oh, you know, holy, okay, I got to figure this uh -huh. out now. Um, but, but my point is in that opportunity is that I took a lesser job, mm -hmm. um, a job that probably I, I considered and other people would consider kind of like, well, dude, you're a mixer. Why would you take a job patching the stage? Um, but I took that job because I knew it was going to put me in an opportunity perhaps. Now it could have mm -hmm. worked out the other way where I didn't get that opportunity, but that's an example of what I'm trying to tell people is put your, take, take a job that you think is going to lead to nothing because oftentimes it, it, it'll take a right turn and, um, you know, you'll meet somebody there that, uh, three years later remembers you and, you know, hires you for a gig, whatever that is. So I, I always say, be strategic in your, uh, journey of your, your, um, 
you know, uh, of whatever goal and whatever end game that you're after, be strategic in that end game, right? Like be like, okay, I'm going to take this gig. Um, yeah. And, so, and what that speaks to is, you know, generating your own, your own momentum. Like, like you were saying, when you started that, you end up in the right place at the right time, but you also kind of put yourself there. You know, um, we had the thing a few weeks ago, kind of the goodwill message to everybody about keep moving during this yeah. time. You know? And, and that really holds true at all points in time. Just keep, keep going. Like you said, like, even if it's a, a seemingly lesser gig than what you had envisioned, man, just, just keep going. And I bet it'll pay off. And, and like you said, you can meet someone that three years later, is somehow, you know, the, the conduit to gigs for you. That's something I've been thinking while we're talking is it's like, man, along the way to, and, and we don't mean in any sort of kiss ass way, but you know, be, just be cool and say thank you along the way. You know, I think for about sure. every, I had a, my best friend in the world. who's no longer with us. He was, he was older than me. And he would always tell me, he'd be like, man, be cool to these people. Cause we see, we will see them again. And he meant stage hands. He didn't mean production 100%. managers. Yep. He didn't mean fucking company owners or managers. He meant stagehands. Yep. And, and that is like one of that thing stuck with me so heavily. I think I learned that in year one, <clears throat> excuse me, of being involved in this business. And, um, and you know, and it carried over to literally say thank you to the systems guys. If you're at a festival, if you also, I'm always talking about being aware of who's around you know, if you do, if you do see someone that you realize is kind of a higher up, I mean, you don't want to walk up to them like, you know, tugging at their shirt, but if you can find a way to say, Hey, thanks, I appreciate it. You know, whatever that'll, that'll, that'll pay off in the end. I think about my sort of big break, the big breaks were a series of a million little breaks leading up to it and all of our efforts and everything else. But when I got this really big phone call to go do uh, lady Gaga, you know, I know part of that was this sound company owner. I had been using them. I had taken a company there. I had taken a band there to, to use his company services. Uh, but he also, they would provide for a lot of festivals and he got wind that I was something decent of a mixer. Uh, and then we, we kind of struck up a friendship, this or that. So I know in that moment there were several people he was calling, but the fact that I made it into his brain, you know what I mean? The fact that he thought in that moment in this like hugely political climate, this is the like, can you be on a plane tomorrow? Shit. He went Chris Rabel. You know, I mean, that's, that's hard work oh. paying off. That is, that is right place at the right time, but there's a reason that my name made it into his brain, you know? Um, and I'm great. I'm great. I'm grateful for that. And I just, God, I think about that all the time, man. And, you know, I'm glad I picked up the phone. I'm glad <laughs> I could do it, but more than yeah, anything, yeah. I'm, glad I, I'm glad I did all the shit leading up to that, that put me in his brain at that moment, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, we've talked about this before. You know, most of our gigs come from sound company um, sales reps, right? Like guys that are selling equipment to bands or dealing with their management. And then the management in kind of a, a last minute conversation in their phone call says, hey, by the way, we're looking for a front of house guy. You got anybody? And that is a lot of, that's a lot of the way that I've gotten my work in my life. And the only way to be on the tip of the tongue of that guy is to have had an interaction with him where not only are you in his brain, but you're in his brain in a really good way, in like he, way. in a positive way. He's the guy that's like, you know what, you know, um, uh, and I know this conversation has happened early on in my career. I know a sales guy that was, you know, going would sell me to people like, you know, Hey, there's this kid. He, you know, he doesn't really have a resume, but you know what? Exactly. He's really good. You know, exactly. that's, that's the relationship that you need to have with that guy. And the only way to have that is to not be a dick. I mean, yep. don't be a yep. dick. That's just it. Um, yeah. you know, uh, so, so yeah, anyway. when you, well, no, in saying that too, it's like, it's that, it's that period that you're, it's that period that you were at, then or I was at when I was mentioning that this phone call came my way. Once you're once you're in, uh, to a fault in our business. Once you're in, somehow you'll fucking keep. You'll stay in to a degree. You might stay up not up at the top tier, but you'll whatever. You'll be okay. Um, 
it's getting in and it's when you are somewhat of a risk, a roll of the dice that you've had to make enough of a, of an impression early on that they're willing to go. And I'll tell you what guys and gals listening, man. Oh, I hope that happens for you. Cause that is such a wonderful, wonderful feeling when you're like, Oh my God, I'm doing it. Like they're calling me. These people are calling me <laughs> and they're buying it. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember sitting in one of my early, which my, one of my first few like early big, big gigs were like gigantic fucking gigs. And um, I'm sitting there in the production office with the production manager, who's someone else that I had befriended along the way. And he was a proponent of mine. And like, he's sitting there and I've shown up, I'm already kicking ass. I'm kicking ass everywhere except in front of the artist. Cause it was one of those deals where the artist wasn't really present yet. There was a lot of, you know, and they're having to, and they literally need to go like resell me to her. Um, or just remind her again of what exact, who exactly she has. And we're sitting there, I remember him with his hands on the computer being like, okay, let's make this resume look better. He's like, have you ever, has a friend of yours ever gone to take a piss and you watch the console? <laughs> like he's doing everything he can to fight for like, we're just trying to get names on this thing, you know? Right, 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 right. Uh, and that's, that's a great feeling, especially when you do it and then you pull it off. And then you're rewarded for it. You know, I, um, I'm thinking back to like, I remember after one of my first really big gigs, after all this stuff we're talking about, after toiling at different levels for years and putting in all the efforts and, and being as cool and being myself as I could to people. I remember sitting on the bus after a gig in somewhere in Eastern Europe. And I'll be honest with you, it didn't sound that great, but there was just this sense of like, I did it. I did it. I fucking did it. Nobody else was sitting there telling me that. Right. It was me. You know what right. I mean? And, and this goes back also to, you know, be, you were talking about being aware of kind of what you're capable of or, or where you're headed or where, what maybe what's best for you. Maybe don't be as harsh of a critic on yourself as I am, but have, have an incredibly high bar set in your head. You know yes. what I mean? Because yeah. if you keep that bar set high and that's continually what you're aiming for, that will in turn produce results that will also propel you into yeah. the kind of situations that we're talking about here. You know what I mean? And check your ego, man. There's no room. You know, the guys that um, are walking around going, yeah, I am the best engineer in the world are the guys that, you know, I see them for a couple of years and then they disappear, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm very aware of there are definitely better mixers than me. Um, I try to do the best at what I do. Um, and I, and I do get good results, but I also know that everything that I say to people affects them in some sort of a way, like words are important. And, yes. um, for you to be the guy that's walking around, you know, going, um, well, I'll give you an example, dude, check this out. So, Yesterday, I was on this rational acoustics thing and we were talking about SPL and um, one of the guys that was on there um, started telling a story about how he had worked with me 14 years ago on an OzFest um, where he was the house guy uh, in Montreal um, and um, we show up. And it was a weird Ozfest. I was mixing System of a Down, and Ozzy was playing on the B stage. This was his big idea. Of uh, he played in the afternoon, like he didn't tell people this, but he would show up and play in the afternoon on the B stage at like three o'clock in the afternoon, and that was his show. He wanted to give the people that like came early and went to the parking lot for shows the yeah. the Ozzy show. Um, and so what that ended up doing is pushing System of a Down, which was the band that was before Ozzy. We became the headliner on the A stage. Mm -hmm. So this guy um, starts talking about something that happened 14 years ago where, um, you know, we walked in and he was providing local PA and it was like something happened and a bunch of amps were broken and whatever. And his story back to me was he goes, you really affected me 14 years ago. You walked in, you found out that amps were screwed up and you didn't lose your shit. We thought 
that we were just going to get creamed. Like these engineers are going to walk in and start yelling at us and, you know, telling us why our equipment sucks. And they were terrified. And I happened to walk in. And, you know, it's funny is I don't remember this at all. This is this guy telling me this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I walked into that situation, he says, and I just said, okay, cool. Well, what can we do about it? Like what, what are, what's our solution? Like, can we, is there anything we can do about it? Can we move some amps around? Can we move, you know? And he said that you just started spouting off ideas on how to fix it and never once said, what the fuck? Why is this broken? Right. And I just tell that story, not to pump myself up. I'm telling that story because I'm like, you know what? I affected a dude 14 years ago and he's still carrying that with him. Yeah. How and cool I affected him in, his, in an awesome, cool way. Um, and it's because that I believe that that's how you need to carry yourself. Um, mm-hmm. now I'm not saying, you know, listen, I, in my cocaine alcohol fueled days, <laughs> I am positive. <laughs> I'm positive that uh, I walked into somewhere and fucking blew a dude up. And that dude absolutely. is walking around going, fuck that guy. I mean, yeah. I, you know, in fact, it's so much so it's funny that I always, tell people when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, you know, uh, we met 14 years ago. My first reaction is like, Ooh, Ooh, right. Yeah. Was was that a dick? You know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, generally, you know, that is through my career, despite those, you know, days where I was hung over and fucked up or whatever. um, My, my general thing was that was to carry myself and say, what's our solution. Let's try to fix it. And to this day, I affected that dude and he carries that with him now and probably acts like that to somebody else. Right. So it's a chain, right? Like you've created yeah. this, this thing. And, and so I, I, I really believe um, and keep preaching about it's how you interact with people. Um, you want to know why I get to mix huge opening ba- or huge bands? It's because of that. It really it is. is. There, there's a, there's so many other people. Honestly, there's, they're as good as us. You know what I mean? They sure. are. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't want to belittle ourselves. You, you know what I'm saying about that? I mean, we, no, like, I mean, you know, people listen, we deliver. That's the thing. We get we do the deliver and we deliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I'm telling you that that's, you know, but, but take that out of the equation. The fact that we can yeah. deliver because there are other people that can deliver too. Yes. Right. You know, but, but we deliver and, and everything on the front end. Right. And the back end. Cause that's the thing that delivering is a sliver of the day. You know what I mean? It is this totally. tiny portion of the day. So you're, you, you talking about that guy speaking. So, you know, kind of glowingly of his memory with you and, and I'm with you, man, what I'm getting ready to say, there are, equal, there are other people that have the exact opposite view of this with me, but something that stuck with me, it was someone told me several years ago about what it was like working with me several years before that. And they mentioned that on a large scale, like I'm the guy I've said it here before. If the hi hat mic has moved this far, like I suddenly can't fucking handle life. But when like the big shit happens, I don't know what it is, man. I just, and I, I handle, you know, or like, the situation that you mentioned when it's like, okay, we're clear. We clearly have a situation here. There is no time. There's no point and there's no time to freak out. What are we going to do? And the person mentioned to me, they said, they just said, you know, nothing was ever, nothing was ever an issue. And when I was told this was at a time where I felt because of some life stressors. And again, that's the thing about the road, man. You can't hide. You can't hide. You're with those people all the time. Um, because of some life stressors, I felt that I was behaving in a way where everything was an issue. At least I felt that way. And I felt I had drifted from myself some. And, um, and I know I have, and I know I do from time to time. Again, there are people that will meet me that, that will, will talk about their meetings with me. And they will say, man, Chris Rabel could not be, he, that is the coolest dude in the world. And then there are some people who are like, fuck that dude. <laughs> He is a demanding psychopath <laughs> and he's on 11 all the time. And they're not wrong in those moments, but w- right. where do I want to be? Where do I feel most comfortable? It's the, the, the previous of those descriptions. And it stuck with me so much that I have spent the past several years thinking like, man, I really, 
I really want to continue. I want that to be the way that people think of their, of their reaction, you know, of their, of their time with me, you know, and I think back to, well, gosh, why was I able to handle things in that way at that time? You know, um, I think it's a skill. It's a skill that you have, um, to be able to have, um, other people perceive that you are, got everything handled and there's going to be no problems. Um, you know, now what's happening behind the scenes, uh, if someone could see what's happening behind the scenes, it's extreme panic and (laughs) holy fuck, what am I going to do? This is, you know, imagine Santa's workshop burning down (laughs) (laughs) nine million fucking elves losing their mind. That's really what's That's, that's what's happening behind the scenes. But what everyone sees oh, um, is a guy. Everyone sees is a guy that has a handle on it and whatever. And I, to this day, I use it as a selling point. I've actually had this conversation with managers. I've said, you know, they, they come at me and say, you know, hey, so and so, this kid is going to work for half of what your salary is. You know, why why shouldn't I hire him? He's offering to work for half of what you. You know, I'm talking about salary negotiation. Obviously, sure, he's sure. he's going to hire me, but he's making a right. point. He's like, listen, there's right. this kid. And I always say to him, I say, listen, you're not hiring me for when things are good. Mm-hmm. When things are good, that $2,000 a week guy is probably going to be just fine for you. And it's probably sure. going to sound good and you're going to be stoked about it. What you're hiring me for is when the left side of the PA is on fire. Right. And nothing is working and you're about to lose a million dollars in ticket sales because you're going to have to cancel. And I'm the guy that fixes it. That's what you're hiring me for is for my Mm -hmm. experience and for being able to handle under pressure when everything is falling apart, you know? And so, and that is what he doesn't know is that, you know, Santa's workshop is blowing up (laughs) and shit is Fucked yeah. up, yeah, but exactly. my my front of that is yeah. um you know uh, everything's cool everything's fine we're gonna we're gonna be okay you know yeah um I don't know I, why go ahead go ahead no, no no I just I it's funny because I thought about it I you know I used to say earlier on in my career I used to say to system engineers that they had to be that guy I'm like you got to be the guy that's sitting there and I don't care. If you know behind the scenes that this is we're fucked and it's not going to work, you are mm-hmm. not to say that to me. You are to right. be the guy that's like, nope, everything's cool, Pooch. You're going to be all right. I go, yep. I get to be the guy that's going, <laughs> everything's <laughs> fucked up, dude. You need to fix well, it. Well, you know? here's the funny thing. The story that uh, – this is not what I was going to say, but to your point, the story or the review of myself that was given to me by a peer yes. was from a tour – that I took the whole crew because one day we were somewhere, one of the stage right fly guys had flown out a side hang and lifted up the goddamn, like an amp rack with, it was just completely just not paying attention. All kinds of shit got like, and I took the whole crew because yeah. it had been like, you know how it gets with on long tours. You hit this thing where people start getting slack, start being complacent. Yep. You just, you're noticing things happening left and right. And I took the whole crew and like, let them all have it. And this is the same tour that the guy said nothing was ever a problem. So what we're saying is we're not doormats. We're not these right. just like, you know, we're not Gandhi out there, you know, like right. I took that crew and let them all have it, but I did it in a way. Uh, and God, it's hard to like tell a story like this and not sound egotistical, but I promise you all my life, I did it in a way that was like, guys, come on. Like we're, right. this is us. This is us. This is our work. We're better than this. And it was also to make a point, And I think I've said it on here before that everything matters. Everyone right. matters and everything matters. So it was kind of like an ass chewing with a rah, rah spin to it. So you, you know, you can do that. And still have people respect you. You know, it's when you're just being an asshole all the time that. Yeah. That, that I think, I think team building and letting, helping other people to be successful makes you successful. So yes. if, if you are able to be a leader, 
Um, and I don't care if it's a tour that has 11 sound guys on it or if it's a tour that has two sound guys on it. If you, you are never, almost never in a situation where it's you by yourself, you're at least working with one other person, whether it's a monitor engineer or, or whatever. If you can lift that person up and help them to succeed in their own way, um, you're, you're affecting how things end up for you. Um, so yes. that, that was an example of you saying, listen, guys, you know, you got to pay attention. We can't do this. You didn't say, you know, listen, fucker, you're fired. Oh, yeah. you know? oh no, no, no. You went, Hey guys, we got to pay attention. We, you know, th- we're moving around dangerous shit. And, you know, I'm sure the guy that did it was already kicking himself, you know, going, Oh man, I can't believe I did that. Um, and, and you emphasizing to him like, Hey, listen, I've got your back but you need to, you know, prove yourself again and work hard and show me that you're never going to do that again. You right. Know? And, um, and I like where this conversation's gone too, because we're kind of at a point now to where, again, chronologically, we're kind of like, now we're sort of telling stories of where we are now. Yes. And uh, truthfully, truthfully, people that work with me regularly now will tell you, I, I am very, I am demanding, but I'm demanding of myself. And, and it's more just that I have expectations and it's just because I fucking care. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think the people and the reason that those people will work with me time and time again, they know, they know there's days where Chris is on a roll, but they know that there's a reason behind it. And ultimately that I care. And that I tell, I, I'm thinking of one person in particular, but there are many, I tell these people, I will, I'll text them and I'll call them. It's not to say, Oh, what a saint I am. But I'm like, man, if you ever need anything, yeah. any, thing yeah you let me know or when a tour will finish if like i'm like hey man are you good because i've got this coming up if you need it if you need anything let me i'll make a call you know yeah. what i mean that's and that feels really good too you know to, it to does. do that i mean i surround i try to surround myself with people that are like-minded in excellence right so when I start looking around on an 11 person sound crew and one of them is not succeeding because they aren't the guy that, you know, wants to better themselves and wants to be, you know, better at what they do and achieves, tries to achieve uh, not perfection, but it achieves, you know, their best every day. Um, that's the guy that I latch onto and go, Hey, little fighter, like, what are we going to do with you? Cause yeah. you know, these other 10 people are all like-minded in this deal. We all want to succeed and we all are compartmentalizing our jobs and doing them to the top of our game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you're not playing along here, little fighter. What are we going to do? You yeah, know? totally. Um, and that, that kind of, um, environment where everybody that surrounds you on your team with you being, you know, let's face it, as the front house engineer, I get hired by bands and management, but really I'm the guy in charge of the, the vendor's team full of people. Mm-hmm. And the buck stops with me in regards to audio. Um, and it also stops with me when shit breaks and fucks up. I'm the one that gets in trouble. Regardless of whether I'm, you know, somebody that, that did it or not, if it's one of my 10 people on my team, um, I'm the one that catches the shit for it. So, you know, even though I'm being hired by somebody and I'm not really directly a boss to those 10 people, I'm their boss. And so I have to lead that team as if that were true. I, I lead, um, I work as though I were the CEO of a business and, um, you know, we, it trickles down in, in all things. If you're doing a great job and you're working the hardest that you are, then, you know, Hey, I'm going to promote you, man. You're going to be, come on over here, a little fighter. Let me teach you all about how to mix. Well, that's the thing I tell people. I'm like, man, I'm going to offer, I like you a lot, but be careful because you might not ever see home again. (laughs) Come along with me. Well, you know, that's the thing too. Like that, when, uh, that particular tour, when I got on to everybody, uh, that one particular time, you know, my whole point of it was, hey, God, not like you guys need to kick ass because I guarantee you I'm going to kick ass. It was like, I need you to kick ass because I'm the receiver. I'm the con. I'm the, the sieve. All of your hard work comes to me. And then it's on me. Guys, I might fuck up. You know what I'm saying? But like, but leave that to me. 
Um, and not saying that I, I'm going to be absolute perfection, but that's, that's kind of my point is, is, you know, your, your work is reflected in me. Absolutely. hundred you know? yeah. percent. You know, it's something, uh, I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking about, okay. And it's, it's specific to this time, what we're all going through here. And I was thinking about how everything is on pause and where everyone is. I was, it started as thinking about everyone in their lives. I'm thinking about my little six-year-old daughter. You know, and my kids are resilient. They'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, but these are their most, like she's six. I'm like, yeah, yeah but these are her most formative years. And then I shipped those thoughts kept going. I started thinking about older people that were headed towards retirement that blah, 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 blah. And then it shifted to the industry. And I'm thinking about where we all are in our careers. And it's this, you know, I'm not going to put a number on it on how long this thing's going, but it's this chunk of time. that's just like lost, but we are aging we are still moving totally in time. time has not stopped. Our yes. fucking industry has stopped. Yeah. And yeah. I was thinking about people at different places. And I guess this is sort of like a kind of, I don't know. This is, I guess this is almost just like a message, you know, and I'm thinking about these people that are, this was their year. I'm thinking about the engineer that just jumped on their first big tour or they've been riding with the artist that they just hit. And I was thinking about these certain artists where it was, it's their year. You know, uh, and I think where this came from is a few weeks ago, I was driving down the road and I passed where the, by the Bonnaroo site and I saw the, I saw the thing and it was like Tame Impala, Lizzo, I don't know who the hell, probably like Billie Eilish. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, yep. All of those people were supposed to be sitting there with a hundred thousand people jamming yeah. out and they were supposed to be behind the controls. Just the best feeling in the world. And I'm thinking about those guys and I'm just like, again, it's more of just like to keep moving, hang in there kind of thing. And it's like, we'll all pick back up. Everybody's hit pause, For you sure. know, but, but all of this, you and I included, we were at a certain spot. I mean, everybody where and now it's just stopped. So you're here. I don't want anybody to, I want people to hear this conversation to be motivated, uh, but I know there's going to be a tinge of like, it's like frustration too, because we can't move right now. You know, I we're know. stuck. I know, but, but, um, but I'm hoping, this, uh, I'm hoping these conversations though, spark what you're talking about. I hope that, I so. yeah. Um, I hope that people take these things and, um, uh, learn from them and apply them to when we do come back. Um, yep. you know, and, and honestly, I mean, if I were just sitting at home or doing other job, you know, like I'm working on my house and doing all kinds of other shit. If I were just doing that and not talking about audio and not learning, you know, not going on the rational acoustics thing, not taking, um, you know, other, other people's YouTube channels and learning stuff. If I mm -hmm. weren't talking about audio, I would be dying inside. So yes, not just yes. me talking to people. I'm talking about, learning from other people too. Like, yes. like if I weren't like learning and talking about audio, I'd be dying inside. So that I have to do these things, you know, I have yep. to keep moving and, um, I have to keep learning. Um, and hopefully, you know, I mean, on the other side of this, I know that like, um, uh, you know, just even doing like that rational acoustics thing yesterday, I learned some shit. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that smart did that that's interesting sure. huh. yeah. and i learned stuff again this yeah. the lv1 thing i'm sitting right behind my computer that i'm working on i mean i learned stuff today today yeah. did i come up with stuff you know so yeah. it, it's, it's good um, for us. one other point that i want to kind of make and this goes along with the kind of like god-given stuff but um one other thing that i have kind of overanalyzed in my life is that i think that my hearing um is in the, in the two extremes of things, like there's a person that hears stuff that the problem is, is that hearing is so ethereal, right? Everybody hears things differently. Um, and so, um, in the discussion of something that sounds good, when people say, Oh, that sounded really good. They're hearing it different than you're hearing it. And that person's hearing it different than they heard it. Um, but, but I think I've thought about this a lot where like, you know, people will say to me, Hey, you know, well, you must have golden ears. And I've said, no, I think it's exactly the opposite. I think that I have average ears oh, that's good. that happen to be right down the middle that's of good. the extremes of hearing, right? Mm -hmm. Like someone's 
got, um, you know, they hear things really bright and someone hears things really, uh, you know, in a subby kind of a way, dark kind of a way. I'm the guy that just happens to have some hearing that's like kind of like right down the middle. And when I make things sound good for me, you've hit the, an average. The extremes are yes. kind of in, in an average in the, in the middle. Um, yeah. Is that something that you've thought about? It's something that I... No. Well, no. I think about my hearing all the time. What I think is, because I've worked... Again, we go back to tireless, you know, sort of training. Because my hearing is what it is now, like, I almost hear things too well. And I have to... Okay, to your point, I have to go, no, reel it, pull it back. Like, pull it back to where you're not so analytical. Because I just... Because I hear things in such specifics and details that I it's the glue of those things that makes music that's right you know so I guess inadvertently or kind of behind the scenes I have been thinking of like I do think yeah man no bring it back to the middle like what's the average of this experience that's really interesting that's cool to hear you say that um I would I would like to think I fall on that spectrum too I uh you know because it is interesting as a mixer you know you make these moves and you're just you just got to make them with confidence that that's the right, particularly as you start leaning towards brightening things or, you know, really at making things punch, you know, you're really making super, you have to be confident with, with what that is and that the yeah. greater majority is going to receive that the way you want it to be received. Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting. Concept. So when I come to that, that realization was later on in my life, but, but I, I think that it's true and so take that information and um, understand that I spent a great deal of time ear training, right? Like when I first started, um, you know, a, a bunch of things that I used to do is literally like listen to my favorite recordings with a third octave EQ yes. and just start learning like what frequencies Absolutely. to do. And I taught myself a lot about that. Um, in fact, I was doing that a lot when I got that first gig as a monitor engineer and it helped indefinitely because as a monitor guy, when something starts taking off, if you don't know right away what it is, you know, um, and and I had been doing that, been training myself with a third octave EQ and I knew right away, I was like, I know that that's 2.5. Oh yeah, that's a 3K dart in the head. Turn that down, you know. Let me jump Um, in real quick. I tour like well into my professional career, professional, professional career to where I am specking consoles, specking PAs, this and that. I traveled with eventually what was on my computer, 31 octave, the 31 tones and would randomly pop through them. Yep. Like, you know, until, and, and to had Dave Moulton's golden ears, ear training CDs that I was still working on. And so I, I yeah, I'm with you there. That's good. I'd like to hear you say that. Anyway, sorry, I digress. No, no, it's okay. And, and along with that, I just wanted to point out that I spent a bunch of time doing that, but I also spent a bunch of time listening to records that I thought sounded good. In fact, records that I didn't really like the artist of yeah. at all. That's usually but, the case for me. But the record sounds so amazing yep. that um, I would sit there, you know, uh, that Peter Gabriel So record. I would. Mm-hmm. I sat there for hours on headphones and near fields and tried to figure out why it sounded so good. Like, why is there? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what is yeah. it that makes this bass tone sit in it so awesome yep. um, that the rest of the stuff sounds almost like three D? Um, yep. Just amazing sounding records, and and so there. There's a bunch of those records. Um, that uh, spoke to me as a young engineer. Um, and I, I spent a great deal of time learning about dynamics, learning about how, um, you know, instruments work together in a mix um, to create the glue that we always talk about. Um, that was all like learned behavior. I learned that by, by listening to... Um, to records and to watching other people like early on in my career, I didn't know shit besides what I learned in Berkeley, which was a lot of fundamental like busing. This is how we bust something. This is how, um, right. you know, a compressor works. This is how, you know, those are all fundamental things, 
But then I started uh, being an assistant engineer for some amazing dudes and adopted what they did and didn't know why I was doing it, but having success with it, right? So I watched, you know, um, whatever, you know, Bruce Rodin or, or whoever do something with the guitar, place the guitar mic in a certain way. And I said, okay, I'm, you know, he does it. I'm going to do that. I do. And I would do that and have great success, not knowing why. And mm-hmm. then later on, as I progressed in my career, I would overanalyze why that works and try to figure it out. And eventually come to a place where I go, oh, okay, I know why he does it like that. Um, yes because I am that person. I have to know why things happen. (laughs) Um, But, um, but I'm just saying, you know, if early on in your career, watch what people are doing, listen to records that are amazing um, and um, adopt some things that you may not even know why you're doing them. Um, And uh, you know, hopefully that leads you down that path. I'm just trying to give you any sort of tools. You know, the, like we said, when we started this, one of the questions is how do I get your job? Well, I think that we've just been telling you a bunch of ways to get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. cool. Well, we're coming up on the end here. Um, is there, uh, is there anything else you want to add about, uh, no, just in your last comment there, it actually sparked like a million things at once. And it was just cause you do, I mean, we, we do, we just throw this stuff out and I think the, the big thing is like, just, just try shit, just yeah. learn shit, try shit. And then along the way, be a decent human being period bottom line. That's you know? pretty, you just summed it up. That's the deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I mean, I'm imagine when you're mentioning, you're like, I'm just throwing out things. I'm just thinking of someone just swinging random, you know, <laughs> it's like there is an element of that early on. And then after a while you'll understand where to place those punches, you know, oh, but man. early on, just fucking try everything, do everything. But as you do it, be a decent human being, you know? I mean, I, I uh, one of, one of the greatest stories that I always tell for me was, um, you know, uh, I, wor- I was working with a really famous guy. It wasn't Bruce Houdin. It was a different guy. Um, and he uh, turned around to me. I was his assistant. He turned around me in the studio and said, hey, uh, go over to that AMS and dial up a nonlinear, you know, whatever, with this much pre-delay, whatever. And I had never touched that AMS unit, even though it was in the studio that I was an assistant at. It was in a back rack that no one ever used, and I had never touched it. And um, I didn't say, well, hey, Mr. Big Producer, um, I, I, I don't know how to make the thing work. Like, I didn't do that. I walked over to it and started pushing buttons. And just going through a bunch of shit and went, okay, okay, I see. Okay, this is how you change the program. Okay, Uh you know, and and I know that that dude probably after about three minutes of that was looking back at me like, what's wrong with this kid? Why? Because that should take three seconds. Yeah, it should take three seconds. What's (laughs) you know what's going on? But um, I succeeded in getting whatever it is that he needed. Um, and, and that's, uh, some, there's something to be said there when I talk about like do things that you don't know why or how they work or when for the reason that they work, just do them. Just you know? do them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right, cool. Well, I enjoyed this one a lot. Um, Hey guys, tell your friends, subscribe, um, you know, keep, uh, keep on keeping on. And, um, you know, Chris and I are still working on, on some stuff. Say, Go ahead. Keep- Keep an eye out for what's coming too. We're we're just keep an eye out. <laughs> we keep teasing people, but I mean it's true. There's you know the, um, big things coming. Um, we're we're trying to uh, get back to the South community and and uh, so stay safe. Wear a mask. Use that uh, soap and water. Wash your hands. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right, wear guys. The mask. Yeah, wear the mask. All right, take care. See you. See you, everybody.